It looks like we have a good group here, so let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam, Om Namo Sitanam, Om Namo Ayadiyanam, Om Namo Ajayanam, Namo Savasahunam, Eso Panchanamo Karo, Sava Pava Panasano, Mangala Lancha Savasim. Paramam Have Mangalam, Paramam Have Mangalam. So last week we had the question if I choose to go watch football instead of meditating, does that mean I believe I'm a soul less than the person that doesn't? The answer is yes. However, what I failed to mention last week was the fact that you are here now for an hour a week means you believe you're more a soul than someone that is not here right now. Also, there are some questions and dare I say disbelief that once you are spiritually advanced enough, not only would you leave your attachments to food, possessions, and relationships behind, you would do so with joy and with a smile on your face. Some people find that hard to comprehend. What is a life without the foods I love to eat? Why would I want to reach a state where I don't enjoy the things I love? Well, let me tell you, that's what we've been talking about for years now. That's what I've been trying to get through to you for years now. The things that you love enslave you. We are trying to get out of the cycle of love and hate, which leads to the cycle of life and death. The foods that you love enslave you. The possessions that you love enslave you. The movies, shows, and books that you love enslave you. And yes, the people that you love enslave you. And this is a very important point. So does anybody not understand this point before we go on? Great. So now that we understand, we're all at different stages of spiritual development. So that brings us to chapter 23, the 14 stages of spiritual development. The first stage is having the wrong faith. The second stage is having a taste of true faith, that you have tasted true faith once before. The third is having mixed faith, that is, You believe some true things and you believe some false things. The fifth is when you uh, have partial renunciation. That is, you are a believer in the five minor vows. The sixth is, sorry, did I skip over one? The fourth is vowless right faith. Uh, You believe the right things, but you're not, you don't take vows. The fifth is you take the five minor vows. The sixth is full renunciation, but you have limited awareness. That is, you've renounced the world, but you're still under some delusion. The seventh is you've renounced the world, but you're not under any delusion. The sixth is the meditative state or the unprecedented state. Sorry, I'm getting the number screwed up here. We talked about seventh. The eighth is the meditative state. The ninth is the advanced meditative state. 
The 10th is the stage of subtle greed. That means all of your passions are gone except for a tiny amount of greed, which we know is one of the hardest to get rid of. The 11th is the suppressed passion state. That is, all of your passions are suppressed. The 12th is the passionless stage. You've gotten rid of all of your passions. Growth, man, maya, lobe especially. The 13th is the active omniscient state. And the 14th is moksha, or the omniscient state. So let's talk about each of these in turn. So the first stage on your path to spiritual development is the first, or having wrong faith. You have wrong faith because of your monia karma, or deluding karma. And the reason, um, this karma is called the king of all karma. And the reason of the reason that is, is because if you don't work on getting rid of this one, you won't get rid of anyone. The characteristic mark of the first state is unbelief in the truth. That is, you don't believe a soul exists. You don't believe there's a pathway to get rid of the soul. You don't believe any of that. So in this stage, uh, you all 28 types of deluding karma are within you. There are 28 types of monia karma, and you have them all, and you're trying to get rid of them. Uh, so it's important to note here that the stages are not in order. They're roughly in order, but you... So from number one, you don't go to number two. Uh, and from number two, you don't go to number three. It's a little bit different. From number one, you go to number four. And from number four, you can go to five or go down to three. Once you're at three, you can only go down to two. You can't go up to four. And once you're at two, you can only go down to one. So it's not free movement between each of the stages. So we'll talk about number two next. But remember, from number one, you jump right to number four. So number two, you can, as I mentioned, uh, it is the you have tasted true faith, uh, which is number four. Um, it's if you mess up too much on number four and number three, and you increase your monia karma from that state, and then you remember tasting, you remember tasting true faith. You remember you believed that once, but you can't act on it. So you can only go down to number one from number two. Um, so remember that you can um, get rid of karma and you can attract it as well. So if you attract too much monia karma or deluding karma back, you'll go down to number two. Number three is also a transitory stage, like we said. Um, it is the mixed state of belief. You believe some true things and you believe not some non-true things. Obviously, it's not a binary thing. So if you're on the fence, if you're wishy-washy, you're at number three when you came down from number four. So number four, remember we jump right, right to this stage from number one. You have right belief and right knowledge, but you don't have right conduct. Okay, you're not capable of taking vows. Remember that vows are what separates humans from all the other beings in the world. Animals cannot perform vows. Even heavenly and hellish beings cannot perform vows. You are in a unique position being a human and you should take advantage of it by making vows and sticking to them. By making vows and sticking to them, you are performing nirdra, which of course is burning the karma that's off, uh, 
currently bound to your soul. So here in number four, you cannot take any vows. Uh, you can't take any vows because of your karma. Specifically, you have faith-deluding karma and you have mityatva, which is the barrier on conduct. It's a type of monia karma. So that's the fourth stage. The fifth stage is partial renunciation. That is, you adopt the minor vows. Um, the minor vows are non-lying, non-stealing, non-attachment, um, non-violence, that should have been the first one, and certain forms of celibacy, right? So you can take, you adopt the five vows and you're at the fifth stage. Due to a partial manifestation of the deluding karma, you're not able to completely renounce the world, which is the next stage. So if you're a Shravak who has, uh, which is a lay person, a layman, if you're a Shravak who has taken the five vows and you are able to perform the right conduct, you're at this stage. So questions uh, or comments on the first five stages, or if anything was confusing about that, we can clear that up. So for us, we would probably be at stage five, stage four, uh, or stage three or two. We would probably not be at stage one right now. So for everybody here, all of us, we would probably be somewhere between two and five. Yes. Um, regarding, so you said from one you can jump to four. Right. But from four, you cannot, I mean, from, I, I, I missed the part where two or three, you cannot go to four or something like that. You have to come back to one. Or... Right, right. So if you're at one and you go up, you go up to four. Okay, it's confusing because we put numbers on these and we think of numbers in order. Okay, but it's not... It's not numbers. If it helps you talk about A to D or whatever, but we're just going to stick with numbers. So when you go one and you go up a stage, you go to four. Okay. And if you get more monia karma, you go down to three. And then you're going to, you absolutely, you can only go down one way to two. And then you can only go down one way to number one. And then you have to go back up to number four. So for number one is one way only to number four. Number four is two ways, up to number five or down to number three. Number three is one way, down to number two. Number two is one way, down to number one. Okay. A little bit confusing. It'll get more confusing as we go. So, don't worry. So it says stage five is the highest stage that a lay person can attain. Right. And that's like all of us? That's all of us because we have not renounced the world. And why would we, would renouncing the world make us not a layperson? Or yes, that would make you a on the on the path to being a sadhu. Okay. And we call that taking viksha, right? When you renounce the world and you are solely interested in your spiritual development. Okay, so number six. So we've renounced the world, and now instead of the five minor vows, we've taken the five major vows. 
That is, they're the same, except they're much more, um, the restrictions are much more. They're the same vows, but the manner in which you observe them is more strict. In stage uh, six, we ensure complete self-control by adopting all the major vows prescribed for a sadhu for purity of conduct. The important feature of this stage is a completely disciplined life by the adoption of all the five major vows. This means complete dedication to the practice of the three jewels, right faith, right knowledge, and right conduct. From, if we're at six, we can go up to seven, we can go down to five, or we can skip five on the way down and we can go right down to four. Okay, number seven. It is, so number six was full renunciation with less awareness. So as soon as we renounce the world, we're on number six. And number seven is renunciation with awareness. So here we're going to be sadhus who's adopted all the vows, but also we have enough self-control. The only thing we don't control are minor acts of negligence. Um, so here's an important fork in the road at, in our story of our soul at stage seven. Now, for, from stages eight through, four, through 14, there are two ladders, okay? There's the suppression ladder and there's the annihilation ladder. And what that means is we can start suppressing our karma or we can start getting rid of our karma completely. And we'll still progress on the same numbers eight, nine, 10, like that, except we'll be on different ladders. We'll be on the suppression ladder or the annihilation ladder on eight. And so when we're on nine, we'll be on the suppression ladder of nine or the annihilation ladder of nine. So at, at seven is a fork in the road. So when you go down from seven, you only go down to six and you go up to eight, but you go up to eight on one of the two ladders, okay? So number eight, the meditative state, also known as the unprecedented stage. This stage takes the soul will be on the verge of enlightenment when we reach this stage. We continue purification on our soul based on one of the two ladders, either we suppress our karmas or we annihilate our karmas. And the important feature of this stage is the high degree of suppression or destruction of karma with the consequent purity of the soul. So at each stage of the ladder, we're purifying our soul. And at this stage is the one of the high, highest degrees of purity of the soul. So then we'll go up to stage 10, the stage of subtle greed. So there are still traces of monia karma on our soul while we're on stage 10 and the minutest degree of subtle greed. Remember, uh, our passions are eliminated in order. Anger, ego, deceit, degreed, greed. And it's easiest to, that's the order of easiest to hardest to eliminate. It's easiest to eliminate anger. It's hardest to eliminate greed. So here we only have a tiny bit of greed left and we've conquered all of our other passions. This is the stage where action and passions are still present, but as we talked about, the passions are very little. Um, so from this stage on, we're going to stop doing actions. Uh, that is, we've gotten rid of most of our passions. Now our soul is going to do less and less actions because we want to attract less and less karma to our soul.
So questions on that, questions on any of the stages we've talked about so far, because the next one is very important. Stage 11. Timur, can you share a little bit about the, the, the letters, like the uh, suppression letter and the humiliation letter? Uh... That's coming up on stage 11. So we've talked in this class about the power of stories. And I've told you that the story of your soul is the most interesting story ever told. It's got ups and downs and it's got twists and turns. And this is going at stage 11. Well, here's the final climax, the biggest twist of the greatest story ever told. That is, if you chose the suppression ladder here at stage 11, this is the highest you'll ever go. Because what's going to happen is you've been suppressing and suppressing your karma because that was the easier path. And what happens is as soon as that suppression stops, because you can't hold, keep it up forever, that karma manifests again in your soul and your soul sinks back to the lower stages. If you chose this ladder, you're never going to get past 11. In fact, you could sink to any of the stages directly right from 11 and you could go all the way back to one because you chose the wrong path. You chose the suppression path rather than the annihilation path because it was easier. That's the main characteristic of this stage. If you chose the annihilation path, you get to advance to stage 12, which is the passionless stage. Okay, so finally, we got rid of all of our, um, all of our passions, including the subtle greed remnants. The stage, the main characteristic of this stage is the highest purity of meditation. You have the best meditation you can have. And your soul also destroys these four types of karma, the Nanavarnia karma, Darshanavarnia karma, karma, and Antharaya karma. That is, you start actively getting rid of entire types of karma at this stage. And we're finally passionless. So this is how long it takes to get rid of all of our passions. The next stage, um, all the passions are destroyed. And since your Nanavarnia karma is destroyed, you are a Kevali, which means you have, you're an omniscient. You have perfect, instead of right faith, right knowledge, and right action, you have perfect faith, perfect knowledge, and perfect action. The only karma that remains are the four agati karmas. Remember, we have eight karmas. We've gotten rid of four. The four that remain are the agati karmas that keep the soul embodied. Um, you also, for the agati karma, you're only worried about nirjara. You're not worried about sambhar anymore. Any, uh, any karma, agati karma that you attract, they don't bind to your soul. So there's no bund because you're at this stage. So the only worries you have from here on out are destroying the four Agathi Karmas and only Nirjara. And finally, stage 14, we were actively omniscient. We were a Kevali. We've gotten rid of all of our karma in, and then we are liberated. And this is the goal. This is what we've been talking about. This is um, what we try to achieve. This is what we 
spend all of our efforts trying to achieve stage 14 even action stops so before previous stages couple stages ago we got rid of all of our passions but we were still doing things right we were still breathing we were still eating we were still doing even all of our actions stop we become completely still and then for a moment all of our passions and action stops and the book says for a moment that is the time it takes to pronounce five vowels you have no passions no actions you're still alive but after those those five moments you die and you become liberated the body attains uh, the soul leaves the body and attains liberation free from further births and deaths in the world uh, in this stage you have the highest type of meditation known as shukla shukla dhyan in which the types of subtle as well as gross physical vocal and mental activity stop so no passions and no actions at this stage so we've given you a brief overview about the 14 stages of spiritual development we're all at different stages none of us are past five uh questions or comments okay so we can categorize these 14 stages the first three stages you can think about all your soul is worried about is external activities. The soul is so a uh, so-called extrovert. Uh, from the fourth to the twelfth stages, your soul is a so-called introvert. You're only concerned with your own welfare. You're not worried about the activities of others or doing any external activities. All all your life is focused on the internal. And the last two stages are of course different, and those are called. Uh, godhood stages or paramatma stages where you're a perfect soul in the last two okay so it's important to know about monia karma or deluding karma um, that is the battle we're up against in most of these stages that's why it's called the king of all karma because it will force you to do things that attract all the other seven types of karma so that's what we're up against. Um, and so at each stage, what we're eliminating are these, these items. Mityatva, Avirati, Pramada, Kashaya, and Yoga. So in case you don't know, these are... Mityatva is false faith. That's where we start eliminating. That's how we start on the path. Next, we start eliminating avirati, which is indiscipline. So remember, as we take on vows, we take on discipline. So remember, these are our enemies. Pramada is negligence. Remember, towards the middle of the stages, our soul has gotten rid of all of the passions except for perhaps negligent items. The last thing we, one of the last things we get rid of is passion or kashayas, which we've been talking about for years. And the very last thing we get rid of is yoga or activities so these are our enemies on our 14 stage stages of spiritual development false faith indiscipline negligence passion and finally actions as we get further and further along each stage of development our enemies change And so 
what you might think of is, wow. I know what I thought of was, well, there are 14 stages and I'm on stage three or four or five. I have a long way to go. Yes, we do have a long way to go and we have many obstacles to overcome, which is why we should cherish being born as a human and being able to understand these obstacles. And we should remember that life is a very brief opportunity for Nirjara. Animals can't perform Nirjara. Heavenly beings and hellish beings can't perform Nirjara. Only we can. So we should use the limited time we have that's so very precious to perform as much Nirjara as possible because we're far behind and there is a long way to go and many enemies to fight. But don't let it get you down. <laughs> don't let it don't let it distract you from your goals. The just the fact that we can perceive the amount of this fight. Think back just like we might have felt bad because we go watch football instead of meditating. I, I told you at the beginning, don't feel bad because you're here now. And that means you're further along than somebody else. Well, we're here now. We're at three, four or five. And guess what? Most people, most animals, most heavenly and hellish beings are at one and two. That is, it's so crazy that you're at three at three, four, or five, the book says that it is like you're a piece of straw. It's like your soul is a piece of straw or a piece of paper that has been ejected from the clutches of a whirlpool. That's how you found yourself here. Most people, most souls are at one and two. That is, we are very lucky to be at three, four, or five. So don't feel bad about being at let's say five out of 14, you're actually not less than halfway there when you compare yourself to other souls. There are non-Jains, people who practice other religions, you know, at the highest, highest levels there in, in this structure and model, would they be at stage one wrong faith or would they be uh, somewhere further along it depends because let's you can be a member of another religion and still have somewhat right faith it's just harder for you to act on it so let's say you're a buddhist right and you believe in non-violence and you believe in non-lying and non-stealing and all that and you take vows for that well you're not at stage one okay because Remember, it's not, wrong faith is not not calling yourself Jane, okay? Wrong faith is not believing in the Jane principles, no matter what you call them or how you understand them. So the answer to your question is yes and no, because there are some people of other religions that have the wrong faith, and they're at stage one. And there are some people of other religions that have the right faith. They don't call themselves Jane, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about belief in the Jain principles. Now it's going to, now let's say we take our example, that person that calls themselves a Buddhist and believes in Buddhist principles, they can only go so far as those Buddhist principles align themselves with Jain principles. Once that stops, their spiritual, spiritual development stops. 
because they don't believe in the truth. Hey, uh, Tim, um, uh, kind of having a hard time accepting that, you know, the principle of, uh, uh, one of the principles of Jainism is, uh, uh, Anikantwad, yes. absolutism. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is if it is not aligned with Jain principles, your faith is not going to lead you to liberation. I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutism, isn't it? No. What you're describing, your underlying arguments, is that anekanthvad means that there's no truth, that there's no truth and no falsity. But that's not true. There is truth and there is falsity. Um, the reason uh, the um, the purpose of Anikanthvad is to show that as long as you believe in the truth, it doesn't matter how you got there. In fact, there are liberated souls um, that are in Moksha right now that have never heard of Jainism. Okay, they just practiced Jainism, not having heard of the word. They just believed in those truths that Jainism espoused and then became liberated. So no, it's not true that Anikanthvad means that there's no truth and no falsity. Tim, one thing I, I noticed is as you group the, uh, the different Gunastanak in um, in the groups with extrovert and introvert. So it's a journey, if I if I think of it from a kind of helicopter view, it's extrovert to introvert. Uh, so, you know, from external world to internal world is a journey. Whereas what we try to do, if, uh, you know, I've been told uh, you always want to be an extrovert in real life, it's kind of seem a conflict uh, for your, uh, I guess, social life, professional life journey versus uh, spiritual life journey? And how can you maintain two different, uh, uh, and I, I know it's part of it being in the, you know, destroying the Monia Karma, but it's just when we, when we live our regular life, you almost have a conflict there. Right. So it's true. A lot of the advice you get is to be extroverted. To get ahead in your job, you have to network. To get ahead and to know the right people, you have to be interested in their lives and converse with them. And once they know you, you become acquaintances and then friends, and then you do favors for each other, and then you get ahead, you both get ahead, and it's a win-win situation. But you're not winning as far as spiritual development. When you immerse yourself into the lives of others, you're not winning. When you um, immerse yourself into material gain and getting ahead at your job and doing all that, you're not winning. And I don't care about your job, Mihir. I don't care about the fact that you are climbing the social ladder. I care about your soul and I care about how far your soul is getting. So it's, it, it's not true that you're getting ahead by being an extrovert because what you call getting ahead is not actually getting ahead. 
terms of extrovert introvert. Like extrovert introvert is people I think confuse it with being social or less more social or less social instead of where you draw your where you draw your energy from. Right. Does it does it give you energy or drink? But these fourteen I I think of more from a unconscious to a conscious and back to an unconscious um, state. And there's a thing, like if you want to break a break a habit, let's say when you give a presentation, you say um and ah, right, those filler words a lot, right? And it starts off with um, this unconscious, unconscious incompetence, right? You don't know that you're doing something wrong. And then someone points out, hey, Shatu, you're you're saying um and ah a lot in your presentation. Now you're in conscious incompetence. Now I know that I'm doing something that I want to change. Then I work to change it, and it becomes conscious competence, right? And I think that's the active suppression that we were talking about earlier. So I'm actively working on reducing those filler words until it becomes my new normal, my new habit, and I'm unconsciously competent, right? Which I think is the 14th stage here where it's inactive. It's just becoming a part of me um, to do the to do the right conduct and the right behavior that I'm going after. So let's take a look at some good quotes from the book. Thus, a constant struggle is going on between the forces of darkness of wrong belief, mityatva, which try to keep the soul tied down to the samsar, or worldly existence, on the one hand, and forces of light of true belief, or samyatva, which try for liberation in the other. In the long run, there comes a chance when by reducing its karma load, the forces of light prevail and the soul is able to break the shackles of mityatva, just like a piece of straw or paper is able to escape out of a whirlpool. Once that happens, the soul is set on the road of rising gunastanaks. In other words, the pilgrim has found his path and the pilgrim's progress has begun, which may ultimately lead to the liberation of the soul though it may take millenniums and millenniums. And that's what we're looking at here. Um, we are looking at, in our brief opportunity to be human, we are looking, even if we don't, let's say we never get past five, we never renounce the world, we can still perform nirjara, and we will reduce our no, the number of our rebirths by millenniums. In this one life, you can reduce the amount of pain that your soul will go through by millenniums. So take this opportunity to do it, even if you never renounce the world and become a sadhu and take diksha, you still have the opportunity to reduce the amount of pain in the story of your soul by a lot. The book goes on to say, karma may appear as the immediate cause determining the gunastanics, that is, it may appear to be that as we get rid of more karma, we advance on the stages. Uh, but since karma in turn accrue, arise, or subside by these things, 
Yog, Kashaya, Pramada, Avirati, and Mityatva, as seen earlier, these are ultimately responsible for your soul's progress or downfall. Any questions or comments on that? That is, we're very lucky that perhaps it was a chance that ejected us from the whirlpool of Mityatva. But now that we're ejected, we have an opportunity to advance along these spiritual paths and an opportunity to reduce the amount of pain in our, that our future selves will experience. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you very much for attending class. I don't take it for granted that we have such a good group here. I'm very interested in the spiritual progress of each and every one of you. And um, uh, I just wanted to thank you for showing up each week and working on our souls together. I know sometimes it's the extremely hardest thing is to open this textbook during the middle of the week and it's great because the kids are in Patsala, so we get to come to this class. But really try to make one, one time outside of this week to work on your spiritual development. It doesn't have to be an hour a day like we're talking about. It could be just on Monday on the ride back home from work. Just start a habit like that or start maybe on Wednesday. Wednesday is usually slow for you maybe. Wednesday after dinner. Just use a little bit of that time to work on your spiritual self. And I think that we'll make a lot of progress together. Thank you, everybody, for your time this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. <laughs>